Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the HIMS and HERS third quarter 2022 earnings call. My name is Lisa, and I'll be your operator today. At this time, all parties are in a listen-only mode until we conduct a question and answer session, at which time instructions will follow. Now I'll turn the call over to Christine Greeny from the Blue Shirt Group to begin. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hymns and Herds Health third quarter 2022 earnings call. On the call with me today is Andrew Dudum, co-founder and chief executive officer, as well as Yemi Okupe, chief financial officer. Before I hand you over to Andrew, I need to remind you of legal safe harbor and cautionary declarations. Certain statements and projections of future results made in this presentation constitute forward-looking statements that are based on our current market, competitors, and regulatory expectations, and are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to vary materially. We take no obligation to update publicly any forward-looking statement after this call, whether as a result of new information, future events, changes in assumptions, or otherwise. Please see our most recently filed 10Q and 10K reports for a discussion of risk factors as they relate to forward-looking statements. In today's presentation, we have certain non-GAAP financial measures. We refer you to the reconciliation table contained in today's press release, available on our investor relations website for reconciliation to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures and related information. You'll find a link to the webcast and investor relations website at investors.forhims.com. After the call, this webcast will be archived on the website for 12 months. And with that, I will now turn the call over to Andrew to begin. Thanks, Christine. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you all for joining us today. I'm proud to share the results of another record quarter as we continue on our mission to make health and wellness more accessible than ever before. The power of our trusted brand, innovative technologies, and seamless customer experience continue to lay the foundation for a robust and consistent growth. After a very strong first half, business trends further accelerated in Q3. Revenue, which was predominantly driven by recurring online subscriptions, grew 95%, reaching $145 million. For the third straight quarter, we saw sequential growth in the number of net new subscriptions up 174,000 to nearly 1 million subscriptions. We are building tremendous scale, which had a meaningful impact on the bottom line. During the quarter, adjusted EBITDA loss was a relatively modest 6 million. Even more exciting is the adjusted EBITDA guidance we are providing today, which anticipates our transition to profitability beginning in Q4. We have been on this path since inception, and it is particularly gratifying to see this organically materialize. The underlying strength of our model and ongoing momentum across the business gives us confidence that we can operate profitably on a go-forward basis while continuing to invest for growth. During the third quarter, growth was driven by multiple offerings, strong consumer adoption of the Hims and Hers platform, and record subscription growth. Underpinning these incredible results is our transformational business model and world-class teams who are executing with critical precision. This is evident across the business, from the creativity and increased reach of our marketing campaigns to the speed of innovation across our expanding compounding capabilities and strengthening infrastructure. The muscle we are building has not only enabled us to drive growth and build scale at unprecedented levels to date, but will continue to pay dividends for years to come. The underlying strength of our model and accelerating momentum has allowed us to double down on our business. We continue to see success in our traditional marketing channels and continue to successfully scale investment in the long-term development of our brand and technology platform. Each of these has been a critical part of our success in 2022. We expect these investments will continue to drive traffic and long-term tailwinds in the quarters ahead. It is clear there is tremendous white space in front of us as we redefine how individuals think about their own health and wellness. 
by offering a superior level of care and product breadth at incredible value. As we see this opportunity, we are building a best-in-class foundation that we believe will compound over many years. From day one, we have acted with discipline to establish building blocks that we can leverage as we scale, and equally important, we've harnessed key learnings along the way. Now, at a time when others may be pulling back or fully hitting the brakes on new investments, we're taking advantage of marketplace opportunities to continue building long-term foundational elements throughout our business. In 2022, we've been expanding our bench with the addition of top-tier talent to support our growth. This includes key hires in R&D, fulfillment, communications, and finance. In the third quarter alone, we brought on our first chief communications officer and a new VP of fulfillment operations. Amidst an incredibly dynamic and volatile macro environment, we are operating and investing from a position of strength. Key to our consistent execution is our ongoing focus on our three key growth pillars, brand, technology, and experience. Since founding the company, we have made every decision with at least one of these pillars in mind, and the success we've experienced thus far in 22 and in the third quarter specifically is a testament to that model and focus. Our ability to win in this challenging environment is the direct result of building each of these aspects of our business into a uniquely defensible pillar of our success. Let me now update you on each of these, starting with our brand. The third quarter was a continuation of the strategy we have utilized throughout all of 2022 to build greater brand awareness and brand equity. We are thoughtfully deploying marketing dollars principally toward efficient customer acquisition and long-term development of our brand. These conversations through numerous high-impression media placements create trusted relationships with a variety of consumers at a formative time in their lives, which we believe paves the way for us to become a trusted partner throughout their health and wellness journeys. As other companies across the landscape continue to decrease their marketing investments, we have seized a significant opportunity to capture mindshare, generate high ROIs, and further deepen the relationships people have with our brand. This year, we have doubled down on high-profile opportunities that focus on specific demographics and extend our reach to new audiences. As a result, we've been able to accelerate the momentum behind our brand. During the quarter, we saw multiple initiatives begin to yield some exciting results. On the HIMS side of the business, we launched campaigns with the NFL during primetime games on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday nights. And on the HER side, we added moments around leading programs on Hulu. The increasing size and significance of these campaigns speaks to the strength of our brand platform, particularly as we gain a deeper understanding of our customers and how to best engage with them. This confidence also resulted in the signing of a new celebrity partnership that will begin in early 2023. I'll leave you with just that teaser for now and look forward to sharing details after the launch. Turning now to the progress we are making on technology. We continuously seek to engage with our customers in more personalized ways and do so via multiple platform technologies. Following the successful rollout of our Hims and Hers apps on iOS in Q1, we launched on the Android platform in Q3. Engagement on iOS thus far has been robust, and we are pleased to note that early response to the new Android offering is extremely positive. We have been energized by the early reads of higher conversion rates and increased engagement across our mobile platforms. Whether it's through our websites or mobile apps, we are proud to be a trusted place for our customers to engage with healthcare providers, become educated about their conditions, and find sustainable solutions that improve their day-to-day well-being. Building these capabilities improves our ability to personalize interactions with our customers and also gives us deeper and growing insights into how to best attract and serve them on an ongoing basis. With the launch of our Android platform and expansion of more care entry points, we have meaningfully improved the sophistication of our routing technologies. These improvements expedite the speed with which we're able to connect customers to the appropriate individuals to address their questions. This provides a more seamless experience, as well as increases the efficiency of our customer service operations. 
As the breadth of treatments, conditions, and care options continue to expand, this intelligent routing platform will become an integral part of the delivery of great care. We're also continuing to build defensible capabilities to support more personalized prescription treatments on our platform. Notably, we're building the teams and technology that will enable us to expand our product portfolio and leverage compounding capability to deliver groundbreaking personalized solutions across our categories. This past quarter, we took possession and fully moved in to our new 25,000 square foot Arizona pharmacy, which should further help scale many of these investments. You can expect to see us bring an increasing number of proprietary products to the marketplace. And when we deliver this kind of innovation, we expect the end result to be a more sticky customer. Looking now at our third pillar, experience. We have found that once customers are on the platform, not surprisingly, one of the most important parts of their experience is the relationship and quality of the healthcare provider they are engaging with. I am incredibly proud to say that this is another aspect of our business that is improving dramatically as we scale. We have developed a strong reputation within the medical community, which values how we operate from both a clinical and regulatory perspective. This is enabling us to attract quality physicians to our platform from both other digital platforms as well as brick-and-mortar healthcare. There are a number of key factors that attract healthcare providers to him's and hers. First and foremost, we're providing them with the tools to achieve significant impact with patients, which is incredibly empowering. We do this through a user-friendly EMR platform, mobile apps that allow for ease of access, and predictive clinical education to support improved decision-making. We believe access to great healthcare requires great providers. As such, we will continue to invest in our clinical experiences to empower and attract the best medical talent in market. In short, investments across brand, technology, and experience, a model which we think of as our company's consumer adoption flywheel, are not only driving the incredible results you see today, but we believe are also setting us up for tremendous growth over the long term. This business was founded to solve what I believe to be one of the most significant challenges in this country, access to affordable and excellent health and wellness solutions. We are operating across large and untapped TAMs, which requires that we remain incredibly disciplined. We will continue to invest in our brand, technology, and world-class experiences, and our investments will continue to be highly targeted with clearly defined goals in mind. I'm incredibly proud of the growing number of individuals we're able to help on a daily basis. Given the momentum we are seeing in the business and the scale benefits we continue to realize, we are raising our 2022 guidance and now expect to eclipse $515 million in revenue this year and become adjusted EBITDA profitable beginning in Q4. This is gratifying for us as a young company, and I couldn't be more appreciative of our teams who have gotten us to this point and will continue to propel us forward. Now I'll turn the call over to Yemi to discuss the financials and provide more details on our outlook. Thanks, Andrew. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'll start by providing additional color into our third quarter financial performance, talk through the additional transparency pertaining to our cost structure that we are now disclosing, and expand upon Andrew's comments regarding our outlook for the remainder of the year. The compounding effect of investments and strong execution across each of our pillars, brand, technology, and customer experience resulted in continued momentum and record performance in the third quarter. Revenue grew 95% year-over-year to $144.8 million, representing an eight-point acceleration in year-over-year growth relative to the second quarter. Revenue growth accelerated despite lapping the close of the Honest Health and Apostrophe acquisitions at the end of the second quarter and start of the third quarter of last year. Our online channel was the most significant driver of growth in the quarter. Online revenue grew 94% year-over-year to $139.8 million and continues to be driven primarily by the expansion of our subscription base. In the third quarter, subscriptions on our platform increased 174,000 quarter-on-quarter to 991,000, representing an 80% increase from the third quarter of last year. While our traditional longer tenure core offerings, such as Men's Sexual Health and Hymns Hair, continue to drive the majority of our revenue growth, 
we are seeing the balance shift as several of our more recent offerings continue to scale. Online revenue generated per subscription in the third quarter was $141, up $9 relative to the prior quarter. This increase was driven by higher user adoption of longer duration subscriptions, as well as changes in product mix. We believe our ability to continue building brand equity and trust among consumers over the last several quarters has been instrumental to our success in expanding the number of users on our platform and the amount of revenue generated per user. In the third quarter, wholesale revenue increased 136% year-over-year to $5.1 million. This represents a decline of $1 million relative to the second quarter. The primary drivers of this are seasonality trends as well as delayed inventory purchases from our partners. We expect revenue through our wholesale channel to expand slightly in the fourth quarter. Third quarter gross margins expanded over 200 basis points quarter over quarter to 79%. Margin expansion can be traced to a few key factors. This includes continued efficiency gains in our operations, increased fulfillment volume from our affiliated pharmacies, and a higher mix of online channel revenue. Notably, our supply chain continues to remain durable, and we remain confident that our increasing scale and actions taken in the second quarter of this year are sufficient to avoid any material disruptions. This quarter, we have started to provide additional transparency into our operating cost structure, which can be found in our 10Q filings going forward. Before diving into dynamics across the components of our cost structure, I'll take a moment to provide additional clarity around how to interpret the three line items. First, operations and support represents the cost of our operations team encompassing supply chain management, fulfillment of orders, and customer support services. Second, technology and development includes costs related to the operation and enhancement of our digital platform, as well as the development of new products and services. Lastly, general and administrative costs related to corporate functions such as finance, human resources, legal, and other general corporate costs. The components of marketing costs remain unchanged from our prior disclosures. Turning now to additional granularity on expenses, marketing as a percentage of revenue in the third quarter was 54%, representing a slight increase over the second quarter. When excluding stock-based compensation, marketing as a percentage of revenue was 53%, which is in line with our commentary last quarter. A significant portion of our incremental investment went towards scaling new channels, which we believe carry both near and long-term benefits as we bring new consumers to the platform and build long-term brand equity. As such, we expect to continue investing in the development of our brand in the coming quarters and years. That said, we have hit a critical mass of spend required to see benefit from newer channels such as TV and digital video. We expect to see leverage on marketing spend in the fourth quarter, as we highlighted earlier this year. Operations and support costs as a percentage of revenue came in at 15%, both including and excluding stock-based compensation. This represents a slight decrease from the second quarter and 200 basis point improvement from the same period last year. Historical efficiency gains in this channel have come from a shift toward fulfillment via our affiliated pharmacies, better rates from several suppliers as a result of greater scale, and leverage on overhead. Technology and product development costs represented 6% of revenue in the third quarter and 5% when excluding the effects of stock-based compensation. Over the midterm, we expect investment in this area to expand as we continue to launch new capabilities on our platform as well as continue to evolve products across each of our categories. General and administrative costs for the third quarter were 18% of revenue. This represents a 17-point improvement to the same period last year. While there may be some quarter-to-quarter -quarter fluctuation in the efficiency of this line, our expectation is that we will continue to gain leverage in this area over the long term. Excluding the impact of stock-based compensation, G&A costs were 13% of revenue in the third quarter. We narrowed our adjusted EBITDA loss in the third quarter to $6.1 million. Adjusted EBITDA margin was negative 4%, representing an improvement north of 200 basis points quarter-over-quarter quarter and 900 basis points year-over-year. Margin improvement was driven by gross margin gains as well as continued improvement within our overall operating cost structure. Our cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments balance increased $3.4 million in comparison to the prior quarter to $198 million as cash flow from operations exceeded our investment in capital expenditures. As a reminder, we expect to pay $13 million in the fourth quarter for earnouts related to M&A activity from last year. We are very excited by the performance of the business in the third quarter. 
It is the result of superior execution over several quarters across multiple areas of the business. This is driving a powerful economic model with compounding benefits that includes the following. First, the capability to assess our operations end-to-end and identify ways to capture efficiencies and benefits from economies of scale. Second, an ability to reinvest a portion of those efficiency gains across each of our pillars. For example, long-term development of our brand and continued execution in our traditional channels continue to materialize in our results. Innovation in our technology platform and products combined with a delightful experience are attracting new customers and driving platform stickiness. Each investment is assessed against a rigorous capital allocation framework. As a reminder, this includes strong payback periods of less than one year, an ability to drive long-term growth while capturing unit economic benefits from greater scale, and the potential for high ROIs on longer-term investments. Our adherence to these rigorous standards enables us to leverage benefits and key learnings to enable a self-reinforcing loop. With that context, I'll walk through our outlook for the remainder of the year. As a result of strong momentum from the third quarter, we are increasing our outlook for both revenue and adjusted EBITDA for the remainder of 2022. Starting with revenue, we anticipate revenue in the fourth quarter to be between 159 and 162 million, which would result in full year revenue for 2022 of 519 to 522 million. This outlook reflects year-over-year growth of 88 to 91% for the fourth quarter and 91 to 92% for the full year. Last quarter, we mentioned that if we continue to successfully scale our investments, we could generate positive adjusted EBITDA as early as the fourth quarter of this year. Despite macroeconomic uncertainty, our strong performance combined with learnings obtained throughout the year have resulted in one of the highest levels of momentum that we have seen in our history. Shifting to our EBITDA outlook, in the fourth quarter, we expect adjusted EBITDA to be between 0 and 2 million, reflecting an adjusted EBITDA margin of 0 to 1%. For the full year, this will result in an adjusted EBITDA loss between 18 and 20 million. That represents a margin of negative 4% at the midpoint, reflecting year-over-year improvement of over 7 points. We are pleased that strong execution throughout the year has placed us on a path to generate positive adjusted EBITDA in the fourth quarter of 2022. Given the immense opportunity ahead of us, we expect to continue to lean into strategic investments that meet the standards of our rigorous capital allocation framework. However, our expectation is that we can do so while maintaining profitability as the benefits from our investments and efficiency initiatives continue to compound. We are entering an incredibly exciting period in the history of Tim's and hers as we see a clear path to continue scaling our platform in a profitable and sustainable way. I'd like to thank our customers, partners, and employees for helping us deliver these outstanding results and attain line of sight to such an important milestone. With that, I will now turn it over to the operator for the Q&A portion of the call. Thank you. And everyone, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Once again, that is star 1 to ask a question. And we'll go to Daniel Grosslight, City. Hi, guys. Congrats on a strong quarter, and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I know you're not guiding to uh, 2023 just yet, but it would be, um, be great to get your thoughts on how you intend to balance growth and profitability next year. Obviously, you've had a tremendous amount of top-line growth this year, and now you expect to be just EBITDA positive. For 2023, is that positive EBITDA sustainable, and how much do you have to kind of titrate growth down to uh, sustain positive EBITDA? Sure, I'll take the, that question down. This is Yemi. Um, hitting, the, hitting the second part of the question first, uh, we do expect to remain profitable, you know, for the foreseeable future going forward. Um, so this marks a new, or Q4 will mark a new moment in our uh, history where we, we where we do expect to generate profitability on a go-forward basis. Um, with that said, uh, we still have an immense growth opportunity ahead of us, and so we're viewing profitability more as an output, meaning that there's no objective function to get to a certain margin percentage. But really what we expect to do is we, as we continue to scale is to continue to receive benefits from greater efficiency, uh, greater economies of scale. Um, and as a result of that, um, you know, we'll see some, you know, natural expansion over time. Uh, with that said, we're not giving any additional outlook uh, to 2023 at this moment. We'll provide that on the next call. Um, but we'll just reiterate the commentary that we've given historically in the past where we do expect to, you know, maintain at least a 30% growth rate over the course of the next several years. 
Yeah, that's helpful. Okay. And as I look back at your um, presentation when you first went public, you, you know that there were for, uh, future opportunities in, in sleep, fertility, diabetes, cholesterol. I'm curious if any of these are 2023 opportunities, or are you thinking those are a little bit further out? Thanks, Alan. I'll take that. Um, you know, I think those are categories we're really excited by, and, and we've actually started to see, you know, some of those patients trickle in through the mental health platform on Hims and Hers that we launched in the last year and have, and have been scaling quite dramatically. Um, I think at the moment, you know, from a, from a category standpoint, we have, you know, three to four categories that are growing exceptionally robustly, you know, triple digits, mid-triple digits or, or more. Um, and so I think there's a lot of excitement around deepening our expertise and personalizing the breadth of products within those categories, better segmenting those customers, better serving those customers. Um, and I think that's really where a lot of the investment is today. So, you know, we mentioned on the prepared remarks, um, you know, our new 25,000 square foot pharmacy in Arizona, investments in compounding personalization. Um, and so I think you can expect a lot of those types of initiatives and product innovation to come out. Uh, in the new year, new year, just because the size of those TAMs and the speed at which those markets are growing uh, within our business are, are really where we're placing our, our focus. Yeah, makes sense. Congrats again, guys. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Up next, we'll hear from Jonathan Young, Credit C. Hey, thanks for taking my question. I guess just given the strong uh, revenue growth and the margin expansion here, do you guys see any other areas where you could drive further efficiencies, or is it really just about driving that top-line scale at this point? Yeah, I can start, start, start there. Thanks for the question, Jonathan. Um, I think, as, as we mentioned, we continuously look for opportunities end-to-end -to, -end to extract additional uh, efficiencies, whether that's negotiating with suppliers um, or even just looking through various mechanisms for how do we do things better. Um, I think we're, you can expect us to continue to do that. Uh, with that said, just given the immense opportunity ahead of us, um, you know, as mentioned, you know, in the response to the prior question, you know, our objective function is not to, you know, rapidly necessarily expand, you know, margins. There still is an immense opportunity ahead of us. Um, but rather have that be more of an output as we continue to, um, rapidly scale our offering and continue to innovate and make the overall platform uh, better and, and generate a better customer experience. What we do see is we do see benefits, you know, come in the form of whether that's higher retention or faster customer acquisition. Um, over time, what will happen is we expect margins to, you know, expand and we'll provide additional clarity around what we expect in 2023 as well as, you know, more in the midterm um, on the next cycle of their earnings call. Okay, great. And then just in terms of, uh, you know, when we're thinking about the uh, possible possibility of a recession, um, you guys are obviously performing very well against that, that macro backdrop. Um, is this actually benefiting you to some extent in, in terms of, you know, say the mental health side uh, accelerating more than you, you previously anticipated? Any cover there would be great. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, I think generally speaking, what, what we're seeing is that um, as other other players in the market, both competitors and non-competitors, are, are obviously pulling back and retreating, it creates a really powerful opportunity for us to take a disproportionate amount of share, um, mind share, message, voice in the market um, about the differentiated offering that we have. And so I think we're really investing from a place of, of strength despite the macro uh, headwinds. And I think a, a big part of the acceleration um, to, to your to your question is the fact that we're focusing on conditions and categories and services that are highly emotional, right? These really impact people's lives on a daily basis when they wake up in the morning, like, like things like mental health, how you feel in your own mind, how you feel in your own body, how you feel when you look in the mirror, how you feel, you know, with relations to your partner and your household. So, so I think it's really the emotional nature of them, this high sensitivity nature of these conditions that um, you know, really impact people's lives. And, and that's something that even in recessionary times is proving to be incredibly meaningful pe to people. And so, you know, there's really no concerning trends that we've seen across the base of the business. In fact, as, you know, the earnings would suggest, um, you know, traffic to the platform is really at an all-time high. And so, you know, we, we hope that we continue to invest from a place of strength and, and I think come out of these headwinds um, in a position where we've taken a, a disproportionate amount of the share compared to the competitive landscape. Okay, great. Thanks. Congrats on results. Thank you. Our next question is from Kareen Wolfmeyer, Piper Sandler. 
Hey, good afternoon, all. Uh, congrats on the quarter, and thanks for taking the questions. Um, so first, I'd like to just expand on gross margin a bit. Can you just dive a little bit deeper into the puts and takes of what was exactly driving um, that that sequential growth um, there that you saw on, on that line? And, and then how much of that do you think is expected to continue here into Q4 and then even the early parts of Q of 2023, especially as that wholesale part of the business starts to become a larger mix? Thanks. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the question, Karine. Um, there's a few factors that are driving the, the gross margin expansion. Um, as you mentioned, a portion of it is just related to the overall mix between the online uh, business and the wholesale channel. Um, additionally, like what we also you know, do see is we're receiving a benefit from a, a couple of things. Um, one is just you know, as we continue to scale, uh, whether we opt to fulfill through our own uh, affiliated pharmacies, um, or as customers are uh, also opting into longer duration subscriptions, there's the ability to start to um, bundle bundle the offering and realize uh, you know gains across uh, those measures as well. And so I would say that you know a portion of it is, is definitely related to mix, but a substantial chunk of the the gross margin gains are related to more of just the operational and product dynamics uh, that are going on underneath the the business. Um, you know, we're not necessarily guiding to um, specifics, you know, around gross margin in, you know, Q4 uh, or, or even next year. We'll provide more clarity around, you know, a, a top and bottom line of what we expect. Um, but largely, we, we have seen these trends continue over the last, you know, couple of quarters. Um, you know, so as a result, we're constantly assessing, you know, whether, you know, there are opportunities to make the customer experience potentially even better, um, which will drive stickiness or, you know, potentially to, uh, you know, push through uh, elements down to, mark to to the gross margin. That's very helpful. Thank you. And then um, just on average order value, we did see a, a slight, you know, bump up this quarter. Can you just talk about, you know, some of your confidence in this level of value kind of continuing throughout Q4 and then even 2023? I mean, you did mention a part of it is due to, you know, duration of the orders. So how much of that do you think is likely to continue? Thanks. Yeah, so I think what I would say is our, our objective function really is more around the revenue per user, and that is to some degree correlated with the uh, with the AOV. Uh, but really the things that generally drive revenue per user are the duration of the subscription. So the longer duration subscriptions generally will drive more, more revenue up front per user. The overall engagement of users, so how many products are they engaging us with, that won't necessarily show up in AOV, and the product mix is, is the third element. Um, and so really what we've seen is we have seen, um, you know, substantial success as we've invested in our brand uh, and also just the overall experience on the platform. Uh, we started to see the revenue per user uh, expand. And as a result of that, what comes with, you know, the two of those elements, the product mix and the duration, uh, is also AOV, AOV expansion. And so I think as a result of that, um, you know, we wouldn't necessarily guide to a specific AOV threshold in 2023. Um, but we are confident that these dynamics uh, that are in the business, given the focus on the consumer and, and the consumer centricity of the platform, uh, that that will enable uh, us to continue to generate and drive more, um, or at least a stable, stable amount of revenue per user. Thank you. Dillinger Singh from Truist Securities has the next question. Thank you, and congrats on a strong quarter, and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, Following up on the last question around AOV, uh, is it possible for you guys to give us a breakdown uh, on the big step up you're seeing sequentially in, in AOE? Like how much of that is driven by increase in multi-month subscription? How much is product mix is like evenly split? And I'm trying to understand like, uh, you know, uh, you guys have talked about how customer retention rate or churn rate continues to improve and one of the drivers there is this multi-month subscription increases. Just give us an update, like what kind of uh, improvement have you seen over the past 12 months um, on, on retention because of this uh, trend? Yeah, I think I can take the first part, first part of that question, and you know, maybe Andrew, you want to take the, the second part on the, the retention. Um, you know, I think what we do see, you know, around it is um, more and more users are opting for uh, the multi-month duration. I think the last time that we disclosed it um, you know, is roughly around 35 or 36 uh, percent towards the tail end of last year. Um, we have seen sequential gains, um, you know, since then. And I think to some degree, you know, the elements are, you know, co um, correlated, meaning that as we've also, you know, started to expand the offerings within certain product mixes, whether that's rolling out a multi-month offering in mental health or additional op uh, options in the hair business, we've seen with the investments alongside our brand, 
more and more consumers opting to take that. And so, you know, as you mentioned, that drives both the higher retention, uh, but also what it drives is um, a greater push towards um, more folks opting to have longer relationships with the platform. And so as a result of that, uh, that is a pretty significant dynamic that is driving the AOV. But I would say that the right way to think about it is the two are somewhat, you know, correlated in the, you know, mix and the, and the duration. Um, we're investing in both of those, you know, in unison. And then, Andrew, if you want to take that. Yeah, I would say and thanks, Jolinder, for the question. Um, I think the other side of it is there's just a tremendous amount of investment internally around core engagement and retention dynamics within each of the customer profiles. So we mentioned, you know, the, the launch of the, the Android application this quarter as well as the iOS applications in Q1. You know, those are really platforms built essentially to personalize and customize an experience for a patient in a way that really dramatically increases engagement and, and um, uh, it increases adherence to their treatment protocol in a way that means they actually feel better at the end of it. So this, I think, is an area we're spending a lot of time. It involves, you know, member benefits such as original content, more catered content throughout your life cycle, easier access to your provider. We, we talked about, um, you know, intelligent routing so that patients can be fed, um, you know, and, and directed to the appropriate person quickly so that any concern is handled with, with speed and ease. Um, so these investments, I think, are also really starting to pay pretty material dividends in, in regard to high engagement dynamics, and, and I think we'll continue to see that. And so I think there's a lot of enthusiasm that despite the accelerated um, growth, uh, we are also maintaining and increasing and improving the retention dynamics um, as you scale and as you hit more people top of the funnel, and I think that combination is is fairly rare to see. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just a quick follow-up uh, on uh, Jonathan's question around long-term margin profitability. Just wondering if there have been any changes in your long-term margin expectations and, and the timing to get there, maybe give us an update there. Uh, more important, I'm trying to understand if the path or drivers to get to those profitable targets have changed in any way versus what you thought a couple of years back when you uh, came public. Uh, clearly, you're seeing you know benefits from internal pharmacy, step up in multi-month subscription, and so maybe you're willing to step, uh, invest more in, in sales and marketing. Just curious if you can spend some time building blocks to get to your long-term margins. Have they changed in the past couple of years? Yeah, so I think um, you know it's, a, it's something that we're constantly you know assessing, evolving, and evolving or thinking on. Um, you know, we're in the process right now of a pretty robust uh, multi-year journey and doing a complete refresh, you know, of that. Um, so the short answer is that the dynamics, you know, have evolved. I think the, you know, intent, um, you know, and many of the levers that we would pull, uh, you know, we've outlined in, in prior calls. Uh, what we will do is we'll provide, you know, further clarity uh, early next year in the um, Q4 earnings call around specifics, you know, around um, what our expectations are for 2023, as well as more um, midterm, midterm targets. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Shalindra. Our next question comes from Michael Cherney, Bank of America. Uh, good afternoon, and, and thanks for taking the question. Congrats on a nice quarter. Um, Andrew, I'm not going to get ahead of myself in terms of trying to figure out who this celebrity is that you're going to announce in uh, 23. However, um, relative to some of the other questions, I would love to know uh, especially how you think about the dynamics on targeting celebrities like that versus some of the other areas. I don't think it's been touched on in detail. I apologize if it has, but obviously there's been a lot of fluctuations from an ad rates perspective. And so, you know, relative to the conceptual components, you know, in terms of your go-to-market strategy, forget the category dynamics. Have you seen anything else in terms of that would make you allocate dollars differently over time? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. Um, and I, w I won't give you any hints on, on who it is. Um, but we're, we're really excited, and the team's done a lot of great work already. Um, you know, I think the, the strategy here, um, and, and Yemi talked about this briefly in the prepare remarks, um, is to invest really in the long-term orientation of the brand equity and the brand awareness. And, and I think we're at a scale at this point where the dollars are actually able to meaningfully, you know, move the needle with regard to um, stigma of these conditions, awareness of options, education, um, about solutions and the brand. And so I think you'll see us continue to lean heavily into, you know, what is considered, I think, more traditional brand awareness. And, and I think a big part of that is because we are actually seeing 
you know, the, the real economic impacts of those investments. Um, you know, I think we have a rigorous investment policy here and, and are constantly evaluating those trade-offs. But I think where, where we are from a business perspective and a brand perspective is one that, that warrants a long-term orientation on those dollars. And I think we're seeing the tactical benefits of them. And so I think you'll see us do more of that high impression, high visibility placement work as we did in this quarter with the NFL and uh, with Hulu. Um, they're, they're just really, they're, they're really pulling their weight in a, in a really powerful manner. And so, um, you know, the, the, the channels that have gotten us to this point will continue to be a large portion of the mix. Um, but I think you'll see us flex some new muscles in the coming quarters as we, prioritize the long-term equity of the brand and, and high intent consideration and brand awareness across different geos in the country. I understood. And, uh, again, not trying to get ahead of anything like category advancement, but clearly you're getting to the point now, too, where within um, your uh, neck of the woods you have scale, so to speak. Do you become a more attractive consolidator to other entities that may have an idea but just haven't been able to scale it anywhere close to the point that you have, similar to some of the other acquisitions you've already done? Yeah, I think that's definitely a reality, and, and we're seeing that, you know, show up in, in the type of opportunities that, that come across our desk. Um, you know, I think the brand and the way we've operated and the team that we've built has always um, been one that has, has, you know, been a natural consolidator in the industry, and I think we're now getting to that scale where, you know, maybe that, that – um, natural consolidator opportunity is even bigger. Um, I also think, obviously, with the recessionary dynamics and the headwinds, you know, a lot of companies had, you know, great ideas and have great technology and great strategies, but have yet to get them off the ground and scale them. So, you know, I do think there's an increasing opportunity for us. There, there's a lot more volume coming across our table. I would, I would imagine, you know, that next year that, that will only increase. Um, you know, what I would say, though, is, you know, the opportunity in front of us um, internally is just so robust, as I mentioned, with three or four categories growing, you know, triple digits. Um, um, and so there's just, there's a, there's a really high bar for us when it comes to opportunistic M&A. And so we'll, we'll keep our eyes open. We think there's, there's definitely a lot of great teams and, and investments out there. Um, but I think we're, we're trying to be as rigorous and disciplined as, folk, as we can. And so, you know, we'll maintain that focus and maintain that high bar. Um, you know, despite maybe the deal flow that will continue to increase in the coming years. And your next question is Jack Wallace, Guggenheim Securities. Thanks for taking my questions and congrats on another really strong quarter. Um, I was wondering if you could, um, just to follow up on that last question, uh, does it, you know, it sounds like the, the CAC dollars are getting to the, you know, as, you're, as you're pointing out to the scale where, Awareness um, is becoming a shift, but it also sounds like there's incremental investments going on to the um, to the underlying business. And as we're looking forward into next year, is it fair to say some of the growth dollars are shifting outside of the the CAC bucket um, to support a you know a more uh, a larger um, you know, platform to uh, be able to ingest the the higher level of growth we've seen. Yeah, thanks for the question, Jack. Um, you know, I think as mentioned, you know, we're constantly weighing initiatives um, across uh, a whole host of variety of factors. You know, this year, as, as mentioned, um, one of the reasons behind the, the step up that you see in marketing throughout the year that we called out uh, was the fact that we really wanted to experiment with new new channels and dimensions. And as we started to see success, um, namely, as Andrew mentioned, in the long-term development of our brand, uh, really continuing to to pull on that thread. Um, I think. Even the investment, you know, that you, you know, that you will um, see us, you know, make will go outside of the marketing bucket. Um, we spent some time talking around some of the product innovation that we're expecting to do, um, some of the work on on fulfillment, and so really what what, what we do is we put all of these different investments across uh, our capital allocation framework that, that meets the you know key elements we're generally looking for, um, very attractive ROIs as well as reasonable payback periods, and I think with the combination of those things. Uh, that's what's propelling, you know, the confidence in the path to profitability that you see while also being able to, to maintain these investments in the long term. Um, but I would say that the shift this year has already really started to happen, um, you know, towards, uh, you know, a variety of different investments, and we'll continue to, to look to leverage that uh, so that we'll continue to just, again, realize uh, greater benefits from economies of scale uh, as well as 
um, just the benefits that come from the increasing and expanding footprint that we have relative to others in the, in the marketplace. Yeah, sure, that's helpful. And then um, you're thinking about the internal um, fulfillment and R&D capabilities. Uh, we're at 55% uh, fulfillment uh, in the quarter. Uh, and just thinking about the different structural puts and takes to gross margins going forward. You know, when, also, we've got um, you know, shipping. Um, it didn't look like it was a, um, a big impact on, on the margin this quarter, but you know, the price of, of energy and transportation has been going up globally. Um, you know, just thinking about the different puts and takes structurally on that number, not necessarily trying to um, ping it to an exact percentage, but just trying to think about um, the impacts of insourcing more production, uh, cost of, of shipping, and you know, potentially some of the higher human human capital um, categories such as mental health um, impacting the, the cost of goods going forward. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think what we, you know, generally are weighing off at this point um, it is namely around improvements that we can continuously make to the customer experience um, just to get that stickier. And so uh, the rationale behind investing in things such as our affiliated pharmacies uh, is lots around trying to, you know, directly extract risk margin expansion, but really more around just taking greater control around the customer experience, which will lead to you know, long-term benefits as well as, you know, gross margin expansion, both from retention, um, and there is, you know, an efficiency benefit. Um, I think the other lever, you know, you are right. I think that there, you know, has been, um, you know, some degree of inflationary uh, costs that have come into the ecosystem. The reality is we've been able to offset many of those through continuously conducting assessments for how do we get the overall operation more efficient, as well as, again, just given the growth of the business, um, you know, almost doubling, uh, you know, year over year, uh, what that provides is the ability to have a lot of negotiation leverage, um, you know, with suppliers, uh, as well as, you know, to start to pull other levers to, you know, offset that. And so I would say that, you know, we're less concerned around cost creep um, and our, just because we have the conviction and our ability to offset that. Uh, with that said, um, you know, similar to other investment levers, you know, we constantly assess uh, the gross margin levels that we currently have relative to, are there other mechanisms that we might be missing to enhance and improve the overall customer experience that while might place a little bit of near-term near pressure on gross margins will come in the form of benefit of longer retention uh, as well as just an overall better customer experience. And so that's usually the trade-off that we're making or we're considering at this point in time um, versus worrying about the, um, uh, you know, the macro factors that we've largely been able to, to more than offset thus far. Gotcha. Thank you. Appreciate it. Again, congrats on the quarter. Thank you. George Hill from Deutsche Bank has the next question. Oh, hi. Um, it's Max Young for George. Thanks for taking the question. Um, my question is related to churn rate and retention. Um, I know you guys are not disclosing the specific churn rate, but you talk about it being um, in the mid-single digits last year. Can you give us an update on where it is trending now? I'm just curious if you started seeing any changes in consumer behavior given the inflationary pressure. Thank you. Yeah, I think what we see is we, you know, we're generally seeing consumers, even, you know, the newer cohorts come onto this platform, um, you know, at a very strong pace. Like what we highlighted earlier in the year uh, is the fact that a critical element of our success uh, was the ability to, or would be the ability to maintain long-term retention north of 85%. Um, what you see in the guidance, both, you know, that's showing up in the form of the top line as well as the bottom line, uh, is largely our ability, you know, to do that. Um, and so, you know, in addition to focusing on, you know, retention and, and through a variety of factors such as improving the customer experience, um, you know, as well as investing in, in the product, you start to see, you know, revenue per customer uh, expand actually quarter on quarter. This is one of our, our most, uh, one of our most significant gains quarter on quarter. And so as a result of, these investments, um, you know, we are just seeing the platform overall become stickier, and as a result, we're starting to generate more revenue revenue per user. We'll take our next question from Joy Zing, SVB Securities. Hey guys, congrats on the great quarter, and thank you for taking my question. Uh, just one question from me on the her side of the business. Um, first of all, I want to say that it's wonderful that you're removing the stigma in women's special health with your recent launch on the, let's call it, small devices side. 
but at the same time, it's also a fairly crowded adjacent market that I see a lot of women's clothing brands and the likes play in. Uh, with that in mind, can you comment on what that means for you competitively as you're moving from a pure telehealth company to more of a consumer retail or e-commerce business? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, George. Great question. You know, I think the, the HERS offering um, is something we're really excited about. And, and frankly, I think, you know, specifically on the mental health side, um, you know, has a lot of similarities across the categories that we've operated in from the beginning, which is, um, you know, bringing forward a consumer-centric um, access point for great health and wellness services. So it's consumer-oriented in every way possible, right? And so that's us reevaluating the entry point, the questions that, um, you know, we collect, the information that the patient provides, how they provide it, how they engage with their provider. But ultimately, the core business, um, you know, will always maintain itself as a, uh, a medical relationship with providers, right? We are a marketplace in that way, and connecting you to expertise is, is what we do best. Um, and so that's no different from, you know, what we do on the, the, the HERS side or the mental health side. Um, I think in that offering in particular, we've brought something really unique to market that is both destigmatizing and normalizing the fact that depression and anxiety are, are exceptionally widespread across the nation, um, but then also giving you, you know, near same day or within a couple of days access to psychiatrists, um, therapists, right, on, on an individualized basis in a way that can combine, um, you know, things like talk therapy and actual medications that, that are ideal for your specific circumstance. And so, you know, those are things that on average take patients months um, to get access to, months to make appointments. Most don't take insurance. It can cost hundreds of dollars to even schedule that appointment. And so I think that that ability to bring expertise from a medical standpoint, both on the psychiatry side as well as the, the um, talk therapy side, um, to customers at a price point that is incredibly affordable and is near real time um, from a from an access standpoint, it's just a really special offering. And and you know I think despite the um, uh, all the good work that's being done, frankly, on mental health and wellness across the landscape, I think we're still one of the few that are delivering, I think, real medical experiences with expert providers across the spectrum of care. And I think that's really why the business is scaling, right? That's one of the categories that, as we've talked about, has seen robust growth. And I think that differentiation in market um, is a really big part of why that's taking place. Super helpful. Congratulations on the quarter again. Thank you so much. A final reminder, it is star one if you have a question. At this time, there are no further questions. I'll hand the conference back to management for any additional or closing remarks. Appreciate your time, everybody. Thank you for dialing, and we look forward to chatting with uh, the next quarter's results. Everyone be well, and, and happy holidays coming up soon. And again, that does conclude today's conference. Thank you all for your participation. You may now disconnect.